welcome back to another episode of Ales with Aslan, your weekly therapy session for those who sell for a living and those who help those who sell for a living. And I am absolutely ecstatic to have Tom Stanfield back in the house. It has been too long, my friend. How are you? <laughs> Doing well. Glad to be back in the house. My gosh. I mean, it has podcast been. house. I think it's been since before Corona. Like, I'm, we may have been drinking Corona, but I don't think we knew what the, you know, the virus was yeah, back we- when we were on. We had, a, I remember we did have in the beginning of Corona, we had a, we had, we did a couple of podcasts. Did we? Virtual. Yeah. Coaching virtually. That's right. Something along virtual. So that's right. it has been a while. I, I figured I must've, I must've blown it or we lost a lot of listeners because <laughs> of my last podcast. So I got fired. No, so gosh, no, we're, back on. we're approaching some big numbers in terms of uh, downloads and, uh, this is going to be what podcast number sixty-one. So we're uh, we're doing well. We're we're established now as something uh, the industry looks to for advice. Tom. <laughs> well, good. Well, I'm glad that it is helping sellers and leaders of sellers um, in their most difficult role. I think the challenges that they're facing now is uh, unprecedented. And, oh, uh, so no my question. heart goes out to them as we all want to serve those who sell. That's it. That's it. Well, we're going to have a great conversation today about uh, kind of virtual presentations, just this challenge of getting our point across uh, when we're used to being in front of people, but now we've got to do it sort of virtually. And I think some of the, yeah. the, the principles and frameworks we talk about today will be applicable, whether you're on the phone, on a Zoom meeting, or, or in a room. But, you know, Tom, there's one thing we always do at the beginning of this show, and that's have a beverage that is frosty, mm. cold, and refreshing. So what do you have in front of you there today? Scott, I have uh, one of the most popular summer IPAs out of Georgia called the Tropicalia. Ooh. I think I'm saying that correctly. It's It comes from Creature Comforts out of Athens, Georgia, the home of the Bulldogs, which is oh, hard yeah. for me to say since I went to Georgia Tech. Uh, but I love this beer. The ABV is too small for my eyes to see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah, good stuff. I, yeah, I can't, I can't see it. So I'm not going <laughs> to bore our listeners as I get my reading glasses. There you go. All right. Well, you crack that okay, open. Okay, here's the, yeah, here's the, ah, there we go. And there this is go. the only thing between me and vacation. I'm taking a little vacation, so I'm going to enjoy this beverage, enjoy yes. my time with you and drink a Tropicalia. I and love what do you that. have, my friend? This, I just love the name. I am going to drink a Boom Sauce. Yes, I said that. <laughs> boom Sauce. Boom Sauce. Double IPA. It is from Lord Hobo Group Brewing Company. <laughs> and they are out of, Where? I think they're, uh, it's called Lord Hobo Brewing Company. Lord, Lord out of Brewing. New England. Um, okay. So you and I are both sticking close to home. We're okay. in. We're out of Woburn, Massachusetts. My alcohol by volume is a bit higher than your tiny little one that you couldn't read. Mm-hmm. 7.8%. So Yeah, I, I thought I, doubles had a little bit a little bit stronger brew. Yeah, this this could this could put me in a bad place later in this show here. Let's <laughs> Well, right, we're if, gonna have... <laughs> if you go dark on me, I'll just I'll just bring us home. Pick me up. Just pick me up cuz <laughs> yeah. I or just wake me up. I mean, that may be that may be the All best. Right. Let's drink those. Mm. All right. Beautiful. I'm enjoying. Mm. Thank you. That is so good. So good. All right. Well, Tom, you know, as we kind of started talking about this, you've been writing like crazy lately and certainly our, our listeners and readers and, and 
students of our of our uh, of our courseware really appreciate when you get rolling because you're always so good about adding structure and frameworks for us to mm -hmm. consider when we prepare for for all the parts of the of the selling cycle. And today we're going to really focus on virtual presentations and the frameworks that exist in your eyes and in the eyes of Aslan uh, that can be helpful. So what I thought we would do is just start with you know um, you. You talked about this this bridge concept a lot in our content. You've talked about it inside of some of your writing, but I don't know that all of our listeners truly understand that analogy of of the customer destination and the bridge to get there. So maybe you can just kind of walk us through at a high level what inspired that and, and where that sort of imagery came from, and then how it applies to virtual presentations. Okay, uh, and how we how we'll connect that to the framework. That's so, it. Yeah, I, I think this topic, I'm very passionate about this topic of delivering a virtual presentation because I think it's um, very, it's probably the most difficult thing a seller will do yeah. to present virtually. You know, people are more distracted, they're less honest, they don't communicate as much. There's a, I just read research where 92% of people on an online presentation are multitasking, which means it's very hard to get their attention. And because there's not that eye to eye contact, then you really, it's hard to read the crowd. There's not as much intimacy and rapport. They don't share as much. Um, it's more difficult to bring your, your, your product or solution alive because they can't see it, touch it, feel it. So it's just, it, the challenges are, are, are many and, and everybody's having to do it now. So the good news is it requires some advanced skills to, and, and advanced strategies to be successful. And if you understand these strategies and develop these skills, it's gonna serve you well in every role that you have in selling. So, so I'm super excited about talking about this topic and which is why I've been writing so much about it. Um, and it's also, I'm also passionate about it, as I should say, because this is where I spend most of my time in selling. I'm brought yeah. in for the finals presentation. You know, there's can be a, you know, a very large project on the line. There's lots of people in the room. They, they look at you, you have an hour and a half to two hours, sometimes less, and they're like dance monkey. And yeah. what you say and what you do <laughs> That's in the right. next hour and a half will determine you know, whether you win or lose. And it's usually not about the best presentation or the best, no, I should say, it's not about the best solution. It's about the, the best performance, about the best presentation, which is very frustrating to me. Uh, but that's the way it is. And if you lose, there's no prize for second place. It's kind of like The Bachelor. You just leave crying. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, there's That's nothing. Good. You just yeah. lose, you yeah. know, and you do all this work, all this effort, you're down the funnel. And so this is where I spend a lot of my time. And it's usually down to 10 for me, 10 performances a year. And um, fortunately, we've been very successful in delivering those presentations. And I think it starts, as you said, with a framework. And the first part of the framework is is talking about the bridge, which I call your recommendation. And so yep. when, when you start a presentation and you think about your framework, the first place to start is your recommendation. And your recommendation should be built around this, this idea of the bridge, which is what you just mentioned. Yes. So the way I think about it is when you're going to start a presentation, what you want to be thinking about is the customer has a current state, which is where they are now, and they have a desired future state, and they own that. They, there's nothing you can do about that. What they want and you know where they are now and what they want, they own. But the bridge to get there is what you offer. And that's where they're unsure about. And that's what they're gambling on. And that's how people get fired. And that's how people get hired is because of the decisions they make about the bridge they're going to build to reach their destination. And so when you, want to, when you start a presentation, you want one slide that articulates 
their destination. And so this does two things. One, it draws them in because they're like, okay, you get me. You're talking about me. And it also demonstrates your, your motive is other-centered. It's about helping them reach their destination. That's the first part of the slide is you communicate their, their destination and that you understand it. And here's a mistake that a lot of people make. Yeah. A lot of people spend multiple slides talking about the customer and understanding the customer and feeding back to the customer what they understand. And that's great, but the problem is that's not why they're going to that's not why they're going to pick you. They're going to pick you because of how you help them solve their problems, not by your ability to demonstrate that you understand their problem. So I think that's a mistake a lot of people make. Then the second part of that recommendation slide is how you're going to help them get there. And I think of those as you want to communicate three to five truths on how to reach their destination. So I'll stop there and see, you know, kind of help me clarify for the audience if I'm, if, if that makes sense. No, it does. It does. So, so just to, just to clarify that first step that, you know, how you get the customer to sort of disclose their desired destination is, is critical, whether that happens in the discovery process, whether it happens through your research, but you, you've got that by the time you come into the presentation and that is on the slide to prove that you've been listening, that you understand their world. Right. Yeah. And then if you don't know that you're going to lose, you're going to lose every time. Right. And, and so you don't know, if you don't know what they want to accomplish and the problem they're solving and how you're going to lose. That's right. So that's right. If you, if, and we'll talk about that later is, is, is when to say no. I guess that's probably going to be in the next podcast. Yeah. But you have to have certain information. So good point. We are assuming that you know what, what they want, their problems to get there, and therefore how you can help them get there. Because if you're going to make a generic presentation and you're just guessing, you're going to lose. That's right. Think about presenting, about selling a car and you don't know who you're selling it to. That's that's 90% you, of the car salesmen say? I've run into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, well, at least they know you're a male. That's right. Or they can guess or they, they, they'll at least can guess. But what would you say? Yeah. You would yeah. just have to say everything and right. say nothing. Yeah. And yeah. one of our biggest ne- nemesis and the other important part of this slide. So, again, I want to articulate this really clearly. It's just one slide. And, you, and what you're not what we're not starting with is you. We're not starting with here's who we are and here's who we've worked with and here's the history of our company and here's how long we got started and here's our clients. You can provide context on who you are as you go through the typical introductions of the presentation where people say who they are and what you're there for. There's going to be that informal kind of get to know you and you're going to say a couple of things when you got the title slide up. And that's important, but you don't need to spend time on telling them who you are. You need to start right off the bat with here's what you want and here are the three to five truths or best practices or what you need to be aware of in order for you to achieve your destination. You know, it's interesting. You're making me remember back to, I don't know, most of the presentations I've seen, been on the receiving end of and probably a bunch I gave over the years. And you're right. I think 90% of sales presentations start with that brag slide of logos we've sold to and all that stuff, which, you know, in theory, you've, you've, you've gotten some of that out during discovery and in some of the the earlier stages in the sales cycle. And maybe they've done their research and should know some of that. And like you said, I like kind of filtering some of that back in throughout the rest of the presentation, but we always talk about starting with the customer's whiteboard. And I think this, this, what you're getting at is you start your finals presentation the same way you start with them 
and their destination. And that, that's, that's a really good point, Scott, that, that the bridge is a representation of the customer's whiteboard. We often talk about you should always lead with the customer's whiteboard, whether writing an email or starting a presentation. That's right. And the bridge is really an illustration that describes what they're on their whiteboard. They have a destination they want to achieve, and then their plans or initiatives that they've set in place to achieve that that uh, a destination is really what's on their whiteboard. And that's what's on everybody's whiteboard, whether it's an actual whiteboard or it's in their head or it's written down somewhere. That's that's what the bridge represents. And I also think you're making a really good point that we need to be clear on. This We're not talking about the the presentation that you make at the beginning of the sales process where someone needs to say, hey, look, I don't really know who you are. Can you tell us a little bit about your company? Yeah. That's that that's you don't know them they don't know you this is the whole purpose is just to kind of go hey what do you do and what do you offer and i need to know that and often we make that to a one hour demo or 45 minute demo high level and it's interactive and it's it, and you don't lead with the slide because you don't know it it's more of a get to know you. this conversation is about it's down to the finals it's between you and two or three other firms and at the end of the presentation they're going to make a decision that's what that's the focus of this that's because if you can win that presentation you're you've upped your game and you have mastered the skills of presenting and i and i think that's a great point i think you know the distinction of where this type of presentation fits is is important for the audience and but but thematically i think it's important that we always you know, um, focus on the other first, focus on being other centered, focus on the whiteboard of the customer first, even if it's in an initial presentation, it's a great uh, reminder that that's where everything begins. And then, you know, I think this is an important, you know, uh, piece to say, you know, instead of putting up that brag slide up front, let's just lace that throughout. It's important for, you use the term pedigree from time to time, right? It's important that our pedigree as a as a provider is established and that we can that people can trust that we've done this before but that can come out right. later and i think that's an important piece well and you can say you can drip that into your conversations easily right you know the the reason they're going to choose you is how you teach them to solve their problem or the insights or the expertise that you provide not because of your history yeah and so the time again time is your is not your friend you have limited time I've often said to our salespeople, if someone wanted to know everything about our solution, I would need three days. Right. right. So I have to call down our presentation down what we can offer down to an hour and a half or, you know, that's probably the average, maybe two hours sometimes. Um, so I have to make decisions. And so, you know, you have to narrow that down. I also want to clarify what I mean by the three or four truths. Yeah, sure. Want to share yep. That's gone that because I think that's that's difficult for people to understand. What I'm not saying there is after you describe, and again, this is more this is clearly articulated, hopefully in an article that we're, we're you just published, and so people can read more about this. And I've got examples and slides that you can look at. But if you if you're this is still fuzzy after I explain it. Mm -hmm. But the, but when you after you communicate again, this slide is your recommendation. So you start with what they want to accomplish. Right. You want to articulate that in a way that inspires them and make sure that you, they know that you get them. And then you want to share. In order for you to reach that destination, here are four or five things. I say three to five usually. This is probably the number. Three to five things that truths, best practices that you need to know about solving your problem or reaching your destination. This is not three to five solutions you offer. 
These are three to five truths that you need to understand on how to reach your destination. And this is where I'm going to communicate to something they don't know about how to solve their problem. And that is where I usually will win the presentation by choosing those three to five things. And it, it's disruptive and it doesn't really, they don't really understand it fully, but they, they want to learn more. Right. They lean in For because example, you've created a gap in their understanding of some sort, right? I've created a gap and I'm sharing something, some truth to them. So for example, uh, uh, an example may be helpful. I was in a presentation recently and a marketing mm -hmm. firm was pitching us and their recommendation slide, because we were looking at hiring them about developing our webpage, was people don't scan, the people don't read websites, they scan them. Mm -hmm. And so this was one of the truths they shared in teaching us how not only to develop our website, but how to hire a company to help us do that. I didn't know that. I'm like, yeah. that's just, that, that is true. Cause that's, and I'm thinking about that. And now I'm leaning in and going, these guys know what they're talking about. And you win, not because people buy your solution. You win because they think you know about more about solving the problem than someone else. Yeah. And then they'll just ask questions as they need to about what you offer, but that's where you win. This is a key slide because not only does it immediately click, you click with the audience, they see you as a thought leader, they see you as a trusted partner, but it also positions your entire presentation because the rest of the presentation is about proving what you just said. So it's your opening arguments as if you're an attorney. And yep. If your opening argument it isn't sound, you're going to lose. So just to connect us back to this framework, we're, we're on part one, which is your recommendation. And, and we've got the desired destination. We've got the bridge this, you know, you're going to sort of overview your, right. your vision for what that bridge looks like. Right. Um, and this all is on a single slide. So we're, we're a third of the way through the framework and we're on the first slide in your deck. That's how important this, this slide is. Right. Well said. This is the most important slide that you will develop because everything falls from here. If yep. you can, if you say like when I, this takes me, I would say probably in maybe two hours to think about how I want to frame up their destination. Cause I want to say it in a way that they go, yeah, this yeah. guy gets me. I don't want to just say increase revenue, lower yeah. costs, get better, grow. You know, I want to say something in a way that goes, this person really understand. And I even want them to write that down. I had one client one time say, can we use that? And this is before <laughs> they hired us. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can use that. Um, and then, yeah, that's exactly right. This, this, this drives everything. It, once you nail this down, then you're, you, this is your position. You will win if they believe what you say on this slide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you just said something else that I think a lot of people may cringe at when they think about you spend two hours creating this one slide. But I think I've said this a bunch on, on social posts and we say it in our, in our writing all the time. When you're down to a finals presentation, isn't it worth being overprepared? <laughs> and so yeah. if it takes Tom Stanfill, you know, a couple hours just to get this part right, it just tells you how important this part of the presentation really is. And all of the research and work you've done until now comes to fruition in this, in this slide that you've just said is mm -hmm. the pivotal moment in that presentation where they're, where they're kind of leaning in or they're going, oh my God, he's just another talking head, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You usually win or lose your audience right here. Yep. And a lot of times the decision maker will show up for the first four or five, 10 minutes of a presentation, probably four or five minutes is probably yep. understatement. Maybe the first 15 minutes of the presentation just to see if they want to stay. Yeah. And if you, this slide nails it, they'll stay. That's 
Great point. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting you talk about preparation. I just wrote about that. I think that the number is 10x. So multiply the number of minutes by 10, and that's the time you need to present, prepare. And so for a 75-minute presentation, that's that's 12 and a half hours. Yep. And that's that's about accurate. Yep. Yep. And I, you know, like I said, I think some salespeople probably are eyes are glazing over there, and you just that that's what makes you elite. That's what gets you to. Mm-hmm a win rate of, you know, 60, 70%, which is, 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 you know, thankfully what uh, your win rate is over time, which is, which is amazing. So, um, all right. Excellent. It's so that, it's not that low, Scott. Oh, you're right. Sorry. I, you know, you're the, <laughs> you're the Ted Williams of. <laughs> Don't insult me. <laughs> oh, wait, he only hit 400. Sorry. You're, you're twice the Ted Williams. <laughs> Well, no, you know, this, I hate to say this because it does sound, I think that's our average of our sales organization, I think was, was, was 70%. I think yeah. we figured out as a sales organization, but honestly, which I hate to say this because it sounds egotistical, but I do share it sometimes because I think it helps people understand why it's worth following some of these recommendations, but my close rates in the 90%. Yeah. So yeah. if if we if the if the and here's how I qualify that if they're going to invest in a solution and the decision makers in the room, I think my close rate is ninety four percent. Yeah. So it it, it and I, so I say that not because I'm super talented because I follow this process. I I, I prepare. Um, I follow the process we're going to share, and it's it's rare that we lose because of the process, not because of the people. Right. Yeah. And, and it's a good point. And it's been sustained success, you know, for, for more than 25 years, which is such a testament. Um, and, and just to your point, to the, to the structure and the framework, because it's really what we're harping on right here is, is when you use a good framework or a process and don't skip steps and do your due diligence and preparation, you can win at these kinds of rates. Um, well, very good. So, so part one of the framework, your recommendation, I think we've covered a fair amount of, of helpful hints there. And again, Tom referenced the, the article that comes out that just came out that's available on our website um, is, is another great tool for you to sort of reference. If this is uh, not sticking in your head, you know, in the, in the audio portion, go read about it and take some hints from there. The second piece is what, Tom? There's another piece of the framework around the solution. And it's, it's not just any solution. It's your proprietary solution. Right. So the, yeah, the, so the first sex, the first, the first section of a, of a framework of the framework is your, again, your recommendation. One slide. Yep. Then the second part of the framework is what I call your bridge. So this is where you're going to unpack the truths that you shared in your recommendation. So for example, if one of the truths that we share when we sell our training solution is change happens one-to-one. So that's a truth. So that's not about our solution. That's just the truth. Mm-hmm. Change happens one-to-one. And our point there is if you're going to, if you want to transform a sales organization, it doesn't happen in a workshop. It happens at the frontline leadership. So we capture that truth and the statement change happens one-to-one. So when we get into the bridge, the first truth we're going to talk about, maybe not first, but one of the truths we're going to talk about is change happens one-to-one. Mm-hmm. So then we're going to unpack that. We're going to say, well, okay, well, now I'm going to say it again with one slide. It's Usually it's just one picture with those words that kind of navigationally helps them see, okay, are you reminding me of the truth? Now I'm going to prove that truth to them. 
So I'm going to validate the truth. So you think about what's happened. I've talked about their destination. I've talked about what they need to know about how to solve their problem that they're not aware of. And now I'm going to talk about why that truth is something that they need to embrace. I'm not talking about my solution. Right. So they can use this information regardless of whether they hire me or they don't hire me. I'm helping them learn about the best way to solve their problem. So change happens one-to-one. Now I'm going to prove that to them. And so that I have an infographic that talks about or or I share with them what happens at the front line and how frontline leaders, what they do to drive results. Again, I'm not talking about my solution. Then I move to, oh, now let me tell you about how we help frontline leaders do that. And then I tease them with how we do that. I don't get into the details, but I tease them with how what we offer and talk about it in a way that draws them in and asks them questions versus delivering a very boring presentation. Yeah. Leave them wanting a little bit more at this stage. You're just, you're just giving them a taste, right? You're just giving them a taste and they'll ask. So, because, and that's how the brain works. The brain wants to solve a mystery, engages the brain. So when you create a mystery, they want to go, well, how do you do that? So yeah. if you want to get them to think, you want to get them to ask the question, well, how do you do that? Or you want them to say, I don't know. I love to ask them questions and say, well, if that's true, well, then what do you do about it? And they're like, I don't know. Well, let me tell you how. Yeah. And so that just, it's an interactive way. And by the way, when you're making virtual presentations, your number one enemy is, is engagement. They're doing something else. You have to draw them in consistently. Again, face-to-face, they're looking at you. You're looking at them. They feel obligated to pay attention. They're probably checking their email as you're making your most important point. So if you've got to keep working on drawing them in. I love that. Yeah, that's, you know, it's interesting because we, we in, in our line of work, when we're presenting and teaching and training and facilitating, it's a similar, a similar challenge, right? Anything online, there's just too much, well, I don't know, distraction <laughs> available and possible. And so uh, keeping people engaged throughout the process is absolutely paramount. Um, Okay, so so step one was we talked about the recommendation. Step two is that bridge and in the bridge to the truths and that ultimately teasing that proprietary solution that you've got. What's next? What's the third part of our framework? Then this is another area where people make a, a mistake. The, the third part is the prove it. This is yeah. checking the box. This is not. This is not. Hey, I want to demonstrate in several different slides, multiple slides, how. I can prove that we can do what we just said. Mm-hmm. If there, once the, you win at your recommendation in the bridge, then when you get to the prove it, you just need to check the box and say and answer the question: Does this really work? So I usually show I don't no, usually I show one slide, always. Yeah. And I just say you know, I just say here's who companies who've used this and here's how it's driven results. And it's usually it's like okay cool. They may ask a question or two, but at this point that you've either won or lost, they just need to be able to answer the question to themselves or to somebody else. Hey, did this really work? And then you say, yes, it worked. Here's a here's four companies that have used this and you can see the results are on average 33% return on investment or however you want to say that. And that's it. Yeah. And again, it's, it's not, this does not get them to buy. This just makes sure that you answer that question. Yep. Awesome. I love that. I love that. And then, you know, I think the article goes into one more section. We talk a little bit about the, the question and answer session that can ensue after that. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you know, salespeople in general, some are afraid of questions and some are inspired by questions. And I think, um, you know, questions in my history have always kind of connotated interest in, in deeper uh, or a want for deeper understanding. But what's your, mm-hmm. what's your feeling about the Q&A part of this virtual presentation? Yeah, so the, as you're saying, the, the fourth section is 
is Q&A, what I call Q&A, meaning be prepared to answer the, the questions that you think are most important yep. um, that they'll have in their brain, you know, as you now finish, basically finish the presentation. So up to this point, you basically demonstrated and hopefully won because they go, I love this company. I love mm. what they have to say. and I like their solution, but I do have more questions like what's your process? What's your cost? Yep. Um, whatever you think those questions are. Now, this is more of an interactive. You just are, what's the timeline? What you don't want to do is answer these questions up front because you'll, you'll get, you'll run out of time with your presentation. Uh, and then you won't get to present why you, why you versus the competition. This should always be last because if you run out of time, but you've already won them over, they will come back and get those questions answered. So you always put the Q&A at the end. And when I say Q&A, I don't mean like you just open up for question and answers. What I mean is you, you prepare to answer the three questions, and I'm just making up that number. Maybe it's four, but it's not, it's not more than five uh, questions that they have that, that you know are important to them because, you, because through your due diligence, you figured out the timeline's important or the team's important or who they're going to work with or, you know, um, again, cost or yep. um, those types of things. Yep. Again, it's not why you win or lose, but it's important information they need to know. No, that's good. That's good. So, yeah, great dis distinction there that we're, we're talking about anticipating logical questions based on your history and, and people like this ask these types of questions. You're prepared for those. And um, let me just ask you this. I mean, what if, what if you have a very interactive audience and they're asking questions throughout? What, where, where do you come down on that? Is that a good thing, bad thing? It does disrupt your flow potentially, but you've got to, I would imagine you've got to be somewhat uh, flexible there, don't you? Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. That's a challenge because yeah. sometimes the wrong person asks the wrong questions. When the yeah. right person asks the right questions, you love it. When right. the wrong person asks the wrong questions, you're, you're like, well, I don't want to spend time on that because you're, you're not a decision maker. And this is going to keep me from talking about what the decision maker wants to talk about. Yeah. So if, if it's the wrong person asking the wrong questions, I just I want to validate their question, maybe answer it quickly. But most likely, I'm going to say, great question. We're going to get to that in the Q&A, or I'm going to get to that on slide whatever. And do you mind if I address that then? Because what you've done is you still haven't eaten into your time on answering the wrong question. Yeah. Again, the wrong question is, it's not going to help you win or lose. It's just going to provide information that, that can lead you down a path where you're going to start sharing things that everybody can, can offer. Yeah. Yeah. And I, even, even, a, a, a another sort of angle on that, that I've seen successful is, um, you know, if the person, you know, is, is sort of, um, asking questions that are not relevant to the decision maker, you can actually say it's, it's a very logical question. I do get to it at the end, but Tom, you're, you're, you know, you're the highest ranking official in the room. Do you think it's a good use of time to answer that now? Cause then I'll answer it if he cares about it. You know what I mean? Sort of, ask him if he's interested in hearing that answer now, or at least then you've validated the person's question and maybe put them in their place. <laughs> but, but you know that the, the main honcho in there is, uh, that's who you're trying to, to, to please throughout this whole thing, right? Yeah, if that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a delicate point. So if, right. if, if the decision maker, whether it's him or her, or, um, and you know who that is, so a lot right. of times you don't. Right. And you know who that is. You can kind of open it up to the group and sort of nod to the decision maker as to would you. But 
ultimately, here's how I land on that. I'm going to make the call because I'm I'm the one that knows the most about solving the problem. That's the way I look at it. This may be the first time or the second time or the third time that they are the I think I said the first time they've ever bought a solution like this or tried to solve the problem. I've solved this problem hundreds of times. That's right. So I'm the one that needs to lead. So I'm the one that needs to talk to them about what's the best bridge to get to, to solve the problem. And I really, yes, I need to understand their decision drivers. I need to understand what's important to them. But I don't want to give away the floor to somebody else. Yeah. Because it's my performance, and I'm the one that needs to communicate. I love the, the if you've ever seen the movie The King's Speech. Yes. When the prince, Albert, who's soon to be king, walks in and meets with the lowly, uh, who um, Lionel Cap, I can't think of his last name. Lionel was the speech therapist who's this, you know, on the hierarchy of society. He's at the bottom rung, and the, the guy he's meeting with is on the top rung. And yeah. he says something in that movie when he first meets with the prince that I love. He says, my game, my rules. In other words, I'm the one that knows how to solve your speech problem. Yeah. I'm the one that needs to lead. I'm the one that needs to walk you through the solution, not you. But everybody's afraid of the king. And so people, people let the king lead. King doesn't know what they're doing. King can't speak. Right. King doesn't know how to solve their problem. That's why you're in the room. And so we often default to the most powerful people in the room as to what's going to happen, which might feel good at the time. But it may mean or probably will mean you'll lose. Yeah. They need no. to know you are going to lead them to a solution. That's what they want. They want somebody to lead them to, the, to solve the problem. If it, they already know what they need, then it's just a price thing. Yeah. And if you're not the cheapest, you're going to lose. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to get to that in another podcast. I think we're going to talk a lot about that. I think you, you just hit on that, that confidence that a really good sales rep has that's, that bridges on cockiness that's, that's you know, certainly other-centered in its conception. But that, that, that feeling that I do this a hundred times a year and you do this maybe once or twice in your career you know, I have this expertise to help you succeed at this. And now that you've been sharing information with me, I'm uniquely qualified to help you. That, that, mm -hmm. that balance is so important uh, in the success of a good sales rep. And you've really given us a great segue to, I think, another podcast, which we'll do a week from now, I think, about controlling the stage, right? Um, so why don't, yeah. we, why don't we take a break here? Um, it's been a great episode. I think this is super helpful. I always love the structure and framework that you that you give to sales reps that help them uh, just continue to improve. And so um, any other things uh, relative to this particular topic uh, you want to tell the audience about? I mean, I have one idea okay. around this whole virtual selling kind of concept. We've got a program that's kind of fresh, hot off the presses that's out there. And I'll, I'll, I'll put the link in, in the introduction. I think people could gain a lot by reading through what that course is all about, but anything else, Tom, you can think of that, uh, besides reading this blog is, is, is germane to this, uh, to this topic. I, thank you for asking. I do, I do think that if I'm, if I'm thinking, if I'm sitting in the listener's seat right now, they're probably a little confused on the three truths or the, the five truths when we talked about that in the recommendation slide and then through, okay. through the bridge. That's something that's, it's so different than what most people present. It's hard to get their arms around that. So I highly recommend, as you mentioned, reading the article, uh, where we talk about the framework, because not only do I explain it in more detail, I give you examples yeah, of slides. Great. And so it's it's just, it, it's hard to do in a podcast to, to explain what I mean there. So if you have more questions about what do I mean by the truce and how that organizes your presentation and how you set that up, validate it, and then tease them with your solution, I really walk you through that in the, in the article. So Perfect. there's a lot of good free information there. 
Excellent. Well, this has been great. I love the topic and we'll uh, let's do this again next week on another episode of Ales with Aslan.